Good morning. Y'all doing all right today? Man, I can't tell y'all how happy I am to, to get to share the Word of God with y'all. I'm sitting here uh, as I come in this morning, and I'm thinking, you know, I've been practicing different spiritual disciplines, and I'm thinking about the spiritual discipline of contemplation, where we look back over our lives and we God has been active. Have you ever done that before? You look back at past times in your life and you say, God was right there. God was here too. I didn't see him at the moment, but God was there the whole time. And as soon as I walk through those doors this morning, I see Leland, and it brings me back to the last time that I was at Camp K. You were, we were there, uh, uh, Riley too, and I remember at that time I was going through a lot, you know, um, See Brother Holloman this morning, Larry Holloman, our youth minister, the person that gave me the first opportunity to teach a Bible class. I see God there. I see God there. I see God in the Holloman family. I see God through uh, Scott, both Scots, throughout the history of my life. I've seen God in these different places, and God has kept his people connected together. I look over and I see my grandma here. And it's, it's a blessing. It's a blessing to be here with you all this morning. It's a blessing to be a child of God. It's a blessing to just be in this moment with you. Because at that time when we were at Camp K, we were going through some trying times. And I sat down with someone at Camp K, uh, Cindy Falkenberry. And I'm having a conversation with her and I'm telling her, okay, here's my vision and what I'm seeing, and I would like to one day, you know, I'm, the youth, I'm, I'm serving the youth at this time, but I was like, one day, I want to be able to stand before God's people and not just be a black church and not just be rich folks or just poor folks and not just be men or women, but it just be God's people. And I'm looking at it today. That's a blessing. Now, that wasn't part of my sermon, but that was free. I just got to share what I see. I couldn't take that home with myself. But on today, as you look at the screen today, you see that the sermon title is Dealing with Devo. Dealing with Devo. And you may not know it right now, but all of you have a Devo in your life. You might be asking yourself, what is a Devo? Let's take a look at Devo. This is Devo. It's an actor by the name of Tom Lister, right? He's in a movie called Friday, and Debo is always up to no good. Debo breaks into houses. Debo beats up people who are smaller than him. Debo uh, peer pressures people into doing things that they don't really want to do. And the whole movie, Debo is, is just bad news. Debo, it seems like, how does Debo even live? He does, you, you, don't, you can't make money off of being a bully. You can't eat off of being a bully. How does Debo make a living? It seems like Debo's whole life is about making other people miserable. And some of us in here, we have Debo's in our life. Let's look at this. Some of us may be familiar with this one right here. Some of us have people that we work for that are Debo's. They just seek to make our life miserable. 
just when you thought you had a weekend to enjoy yourself, they ask you to work the weekend. And they just become a diva in your life. What about this next one here? Some, a lot of us would be, we, we all on the same page with this, right? We look at this group and we see a hate group, right? This hate group of people who, 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 who claim Allah as their God and they want nothing more to do but to destroy your way of living. These debos to some of us, right? And then we look at this one here. You may see a cute little girl, but she's actually rubbing her hands together. She's plotting, right? She's doing like this, waiting to get you in trouble at school, to, to make up lies about you. It's always the cute ones, isn't it? You have Debo's at school, too. I think we have another one. Mmm. Y'all see this right here? Y'all see the steam that's up on his glasses right here? This, this is the Debo that exists in Bible class. And right when you're making a great point, that one person that's going to derail the whole class by asking a question that has nothing to do with what you're talking about. <laughs> we don't, we're not that person in Bible class. We all, we all have Debo's in our life. And let me tell you what happened to Debo in that movie called Friday. Debo, at the end of the movie, Debo finally gets what's coming to him. Debo gets a brick to the forehead. He gets knocked out and beat up. And then you know what happens? Everybody's happy and they're cheering and they're happy that the enemy, the bad guy, has been defeated. Because he earned it, it would seem. But within the community, the kingdom of God, our standard is a bit different. And Jesus calls us to live to a higher standard even when dealing with Debo. Turn your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 5. As we look in continued series of lessons where we're talking about healing our land, we, we don't want to be a part of the problem. What we need to be is the solution. And God has given us the answers on how to heal our land. Not just talking about the church, but being the church. Amen? Now, y'all know that if I don't get amens and, 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 and you let me know that you're getting what I'm saying, I'm going to have to stay up here longer, okay? So... A- Amen. Because y'all know, even though the Cowboys are suffering and are struggling right now, y'all still want to catch that noon game. All right. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 38 through 48. That's going to be our text today. I'm going to start off by reading this entirety first and follow along with me. The Bible says, you have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye. Can we say eye for an eye? Those that are online, if you can, type quickly, eye for an eye. An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say, can we say I say? That's Jesus. He has authority, right? We agreed that Jesus is a smart guy. We agreed that Jesus has authority. We agreed that we would obey Jesus. Amen? But Jesus says, but I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, Turn to him the other also. And if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Can we say two miles? 
Give to the one who begs from you, and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your enemy and hate, or love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. Can we say love your enemy? And pray for those who persecute you. So that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven. For he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good. And sends rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? Isn't it funny how tax collectors still have a bad name? Okay. All righty. Verse 47. And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even Gentiles do the same. You therefore must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Amen. I want to start off by talking to you about dealing with Debo's, dealing with Debo's. As we deal fairly with Debo's, I want you to see what Jesus is trying to get across. As Jesus is on this mount and he's presenting this sermon to his people, right? People that want to be followers of him, people that want to hear what he has to say. Jesus starts off by saying in verse number 38, he says, you have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye, then ourselves. I for an eye, two for two. That's right. And in order to understand something, when we're reading God's word, in order to understand something better, we have to go in the context that is said in. We have to understand that in order to understand what Jesus is talking to, because what Jesus is trying to do right now, he's trying to renovate hearts. He's not wanting people to. It's not just a do thing. It starts up here. So let's look and see what Jesus is talking about. The first reference that I have for it is coming from Exodus 21. It says here, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, hand for a hand, foot for a foot. It goes a little bit further, right? Some would take this verse and we would say, okay, that means I can get even. When somebody makes me mad, I can get even. I'm about to show up at my family's house on Thanksgiving, and that uncle that was the first person to tell me that I was ugly, I'm going to get even. Hand by hand, eye for eye, tooth by tooth, foot by foot. But what we need to understand here is that it's much more to this verse than what shows up in the one. Okay? What's being presented here, as we'll see, we have two other references here. But as we'll see, there's two other references that show that when God is dealing with his people, what he's trying to do is rein them in. Because they've been existing and living around Egyptians for a very long time. And so what God is trying to do is is put a limit on what they do when they get someone back, right? This is God trying to have a form of justice present. This is God saying, okay, somebody killed your cow. You can now take their cow. You can't go any further than that, right? Because we know people in here, we haven't been that person, but we know people in here that when somebody does something to them, then we're going to do that to them plus 10 more things. 
And what God is trying to do is make sure that that doesn't happen. There has to be a limit. God is also trying to establish justice. Okay? Because sometimes we feel cheated when somebody does us wrong and they don't get wrong done to where we can see it. Now see, usually in times like this, this is where I, where I get to leaning in. I put my elbow into it. You know how you go get a massage and uh, there's a lady at the mall that gives me my massages and, and whenever she feels something there, she'll put her elbow and put her weight on there and she'll lean in to get that out. Right now, you know whenever you're preaching, it gets quiet like that. That means we got to work out something. There's a knot there. That's all right. That's all right. We're we, we going to address that in a little bit. As you look at Leviticus chapter 24, verse number 20, the Bible says, fracture for fracture, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, whatever injury he has given, a person shall be given to him. Now, in this context, you have a man who is half Egyptian and half Israelite, and he's blasphemed the name of God. So he's done some, some, some pretty bad stuff here, right? He's blasphemed the name of God, and now uh, uh, justice needs to be served, right? Moses goes on to explain the crimes and the punishment should be equal so as to not allow for excessive violence in response because whenever you receive evil and you give it back out, guess what? It doesn't end there. It continues to recycle. Evil receive. I give evil. It comes right back. I give it out. It comes right back. Does that sound like a place or a kingdom that you want to exist in? Well, there's nothing but continual evil all the time. Deuteronomy chapter 19, verse 21. Your eyes should not pity. It shall be life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot. Some know this as lex talionis, right? The law by which penalty absolutely fair. No more, no less. You don't steal a now and later and get life in prison. Equal punishment, fair punishment, justice is what we're talking about here. That was the way. But Jesus is about to bring something that is greater. Jesus is about to bring something that is going to call us to a higher standard. He is going to fulfill what God was actually trying to do with the people all the way back then because sometimes we get in our heads that there's an Old Testament God and there's a New Testament God. When that is not the case, God has always been concerned about our hearts. Always been concerned about our hearts. But if you look at the people, it's kind of understandable when you think about it, because you look at God's people and what they went through when they kept messing up and God allowed them to be in Babylonian captivity, and now all of a sudden they're saying, okay, now we got to make up these rules that are beyond the, the guidelines that God has set, beyond the law, because we don't want to go back to where we used to be. And so they make up things that are man-made, and always when we, we make up man-made things, they usually don't work out well for you. If you don't have God in the plans, it's usually not going to work out well. But Jesus comes to them, and he states to them in verse number 38, you've heard that it said, an eye for an eye, two for a tooth. Verse 39, Jesus says, but I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. 
Don't fight back against this. When someone gives you evil, don't fight back against it. And you're thinking about this in your head, and you're saying, say what, Jesus? My mama told me, if somebody hits me, I better hit them back harder. Some of y'all had that told to you when you were kids. Yeah. If you hit them back harder, they won't hit you again. Yes, they will. It doesn't solve anything. Jesus says, but I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil, but if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. Jesus, are you serious? Somebody slaps you? Have you been slapped before? It takes your breath away. It seems like your cheeks are connected to your lungs, right? He says, if somebody slaps you, Turn to him the other cheek also. Look at these next two verses too. Look at verse number 40. And if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. He said, if somebody sues you to take your shirt, give him your jacket too. Jesus, what are you talking about? There's hundreds of years of history of this working. Working, right? We've always solved things this way. We've always done things like this. If a bully continues to bother you, you just punch him in the mouth and they stop. Jesus says, but I say. Verse 41, he says, and if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. They had this thing back in this time where Roman soldiers could tell you to carry equipment to go one mile doing something for them. Jesus says, if they ask you to do it, go two miles. Not just the one, but two. And so we see this, the cheek, the coat, the miles. There seems to be an involvement of understanding the wrong person. What do you mean, Chris? Somebody slaps you. My first instinct as a citizen of the kingdom of heaven is not to say, I'm going to punch them now. But I'm going to think, okay, they must have came across something so evil that they would seek to violate me in this way. Do you need my other cheek as well? Something, some evil has touched your life in such a way that you would sue me for what belongs to me. You want to take my shirt. Do you need my coat too? How can I help you so that you aren't affected by evil and sin in this way? You asked of me to go a mile. You need this from me, even though I know you don't need it from me. I'll go too. Jesus is asking us to understand the Debo. Jesus is asking us to say, I know that you have heard in the past that if Debo does something to you, you can do something equal to them, but I need you to understand that it was never about getting even. You look at this, 
And he's asking us to understand somebody who doesn't care about who we are, really. And it's strange. Verse number 42, the Bible says, give to the one who begs from you and do not refuse the one who will borrow from you. You look at some uh, Old Testament, uh, you look at Psalm 37, 21, it talks about how the wicked, they borrow, but they don't pay back, right? We got some cousins that do that, right? Proverbs 21, 26, all day long he craves and he craves, but the righteous gives and does not hold back. And as I'm looking at this and I'm observing, I say to myself, Jesus is telling us getting back is not, or getting even is not the way of the kingdom. Getting even is not the way of the kingdom. And we say, Chris, this makes sense to us to get even. Yes, we see it throughout our culture. Get even. Show them that they're not above us. But that's not the way. In the kingdom, reparation is desired over recompense. In the kingdom, if you're taking notes, in the kingdom, reparation is desired over recompense. Instead of me getting even, right? And I know that word may be scary to some. Reparation is scary to some. But I need you to understand what it involves. Reparation means that I'm more concerned with repairing the relationship than I am with getting even. That means that there is something that is causing our relationship to suffer, and I need to rebuild it. He had a Sunday school teacher, when he would talk about hard things, that's a hard saying. It's hard. What makes this so hard is, is that Jesus is not calling the slapper, the one who sues. He's not calling them to repair the relationship, but check this out. Jesus is saying that the one who has been sinned against needs to offer the reparation. Isn't that strange? The one who has been wrong, the one who has been offended, the one who has been slapped, the one who has been sued, they offer reparation. They offer the opportunity for the relationship to be reconciled. Now I tell you every time I preach, don't come in here thinking about somebody else and how this sermon needs to apply to them. But you think about right now in this moment, your Debo. Your Debo. The person who makes your life hard. The person who would come and sin against you and not think twice about it. Think about that person. Now ask yourself, how can I repair that relationship? That's a hard saying. It's hard to do. Because when I've been wrong, God, you ought to be there for me because I'm your child. But as we'll see, being a son of God is not what we think it to be. Let us continue to read in God's word. As we look at 
what your Debo deserves. What your Debo deserves. Verse number 43, the Bible says, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Right? You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. And Jesus is quoting this to them, knowing well that the last part of what he just said was not what his father gave them. He talked about loving your neighbor, but he didn't tell them to hate their enemy. But that's something that just kind of grew as they continued to grow as God's people. Sometimes we have sayings that kind of just change over time, things that just get added in. We didn't, it, we, it was never intended for us to add it. If you look at Leviticus 19, Leviticus 19, verse number 17 and 18, God tells this to his people, right? God tells this to the people. He says, you shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love. Can we say love? You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And he says, I am Lord. I'm not your friend. I'm not somebody who offers something that you might want to consider. I am Lord. The next, go to the next verse here. Is there an, okay, okay, stay right there. As he goes there, as he's talking in, in Leviticus, it would seem as though God's people took this to mean my neighbor is the one who comes from the same people group that I'm a part of. They're from my neighborhood. They work with me. They're from the same social class. They're Democrat. They're Republican. Those are the people that I need to love because those are my neighbors. Even though if you drop down a little bit and look at verse 34 of Leviticus, God tells them to take care of the sojourner, right? Take care of the, those who are aliens. We struggle with that in this country because we have so much pride in being American. We don't care about those who are coming in. Those are Debo's because our neighbors exist within our boundaries. We're guilty of it. We're guilty of it. We see Debo's sometimes and we don't even realize it. But those people... They don't, they don't pray like we pray. They don't sing like we pray. We can't worship with them. Our neighbors sing like this. Our neighbors preach like this. Our neighbors live in this neighborhood where we have an association that makes sure that your grass is cut. We separate ourselves and we, we, into these people groups that ne God never intended for us to do. God intended for us to love all people. And I'll prove it to you. Verse number 44, the Bible says, but I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. When God is saying this here, he's saying, I want you to have agape love for your enemies. Agape loves mean, it means that there is no reciprocity required. I don't have to do anything for you. Right? I love without you having to love me. God loved us when we were enemies against him. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Now, this word persecute is very, very interesting. Because whenever he's talking about this, you look at this Greek word here. 
And this Greek word is talking about somebody who designs an oppressive system to just nitpick at you over and over and over again. And I think about how easy it is to find people who do this and then don't love them at all. As I'm reading this, you know what I thought about? My mind thinks about redlining. My mind thinks about segregation. My mind thinks about what happened in Germany. A system created just to hate other people. If I just hold on to that, well, these people used to redline so that people that look like me couldn't live in neighborhoods and get the benefits that other people get. If I just hold on to that, I'll be a very negative person. And I will be willing to accept hate. And I'll be willing to never love that person based on something that has happened. And what will happen is that I'll give hate to the person, they'll give hate back, I'll give hate to them, they'll give hate back, and it'll be an endless cycle of hate over and over and over again. But I thank God that I'm more than a black man. But I thank God that I'm more than a husband. I thank God that I'm more than someone from Texas. I am a child of God and a citizen of heaven. And at being a citizen of heaven, God says that we are to love those who hate, those who are enemies, those who would slap us, those who would say that we're not good enough because of our gender, because of our color, because of where we grew up, because of where we came from. We have to love those people unconditionally. I can't say because that person won't stop doing this evil thing. They won't stop their deboness that I can't love them because that's exactly what God gave to me. While we were still yet sinners, right? And we can accept that for us. Well, God, I'm good enough to accept your love, but can we give it? Can we give it? Let's look again at this verse. Go back to the beginning portion there. Not only does it say that uh, pray, love your enemies, it says pray for those who persecute you. Instead of automatically going to a place where I deserve justice, Jesus is calling us to ask God, to talk to God about them. To talk to God, inquire about how it is that we can understand the person who is our Debo, our enemy. That's a hard saying. Because when somebody does wrong to us, we want to get even. And sometimes we feel justified in it. But we have to be more than who we are. We have to be who we will be. The verse goes on. So that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. Now we read this, and we may go over this really quickly, but what it's saying here, this is a figurative use of the word son. Someone who was considered to be a son at this time, they would take on the characteristics of the person who they saw as their father. So if they had someone who they were learning under, and they learned under that person, and that person uh, uh, wore their tunic in a certain way, they would wear their tunic in that same way. 
And they wore their beard in one way, they wore it in that way. And as I'm reading this, I thought about my, I had a cool cousin, y'all. I had a cool cousin, his name was Gil. And the way that Gil would wear his hats was cool. The way that Gil would listen uh, to his music was cool because Gil didn't hear just the music and the drums and hip hop, he heard the words and I thought that was deep. The way even that Gil would laugh I thought was cool. And so I would begin to take on these personalities and the traits of Gil to try to be cool like my cousin was cool. And what Jesus is saying here is that if we want to be sons of God, then we have to become more like God. And then he's going to go on and explain how God deals with those who do unjust, immoral things. Verse 45 says, for he makes the sun, he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. How many of you have ever walked outside on a rainy day and it was only raining on the Christian's yards? That doesn't happen, does it? God says, your actions are not tied to my agape. Sometimes we get into that mode of thinking because we've been taught that in our past, some of us. If you don't do right, God is not going to give you good. Yes, he does. And I'm not saying God tells us to stay evil, but God still does show us love. He didn't send Jesus down here to die on earth and say, I only want you to die for those who are within the Western Hills building on October 20, whatever it is today. He died for everybody. For he makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good, sends rain on the just and the unjust. Next verse there, what does it say? For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even tax collectors do the same. Jesus is saying, I know that you know that tax collectors have a bad name today. Even they love people that love them. If we only love people who love us or who are in our people groups, what reward do we have in doing that? What do we gain? How can we heal our land if we only love people in the church of Christ? If you only love people on the right side of the room, if you only love people in the front of the room, what reward do we have in that? How our lives changed? How is our land healed if we can't love like God loves? He goes on. He, he makes a, another example. He says, what? And if you greet only your brothers, if you only are hospitable, what are you saying here? This word is leaning towards hospitality. If you only are hospitable to your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even Gentiles do the same? If I only love those who profess that black lives matter, let me put it there so we can understand it. If I only love those who profess make America great again. Do y'all see how we have become divided? And do you see how God says love unconditionally no matter what? Which one is going to work better in the kingdom? There's not going to be a Republican heaven and a Democrat heaven. There's not going to be a black heaven where Aretha sings all the God. <laughs> right? It's not going to be separate. It's not going to be separated in heaven. How can, how can, think about this. 
because we will go to our graves carrying a grudge. Some of you are about to have to deal with that grudge when you go sit down for dinner at Thanksgiving. And you have to deal with your family or your in-laws who you don't like talking to but once a year. You tell me if you are going to be able to go to heaven, both of you, and then y'all sit in separate corners and still be a child of God. And still, do y'all think that heaven is going to look like that? You stay on this side of heaven, I stay on this side, and we don't need to say anything to each other. That's strange, huh? But that's the way we behave here. If we want to be citizens of the kingdom, the, the completed kingdom where God comes back for his people in whatever manner you may, 80, 70 type think or whatever, if you want to be a part of the kingdom, this finalized version of heaven, this kingdom of heaven, it has to be. We have to adopt this mind now. It can't just start when the trumpet sounds. Does that make sense? Verse 48, Jesus says, be what? Be I got the front row. B. A lot of people in here right now say, I'm out because I'm not perfect and I'm with you. But this is what he's calling us to. This is what this word here is talking about. This word means not lacking any moral quality, meeting the highest standard. God has not called us to perfection as we see perfection. Our perfection in English is not the same perfection that Jesus speaks here. It's to a higher moral standard. You have heard that it was said many things, but Jesus says, live by this. Live by this. And if you are perfect, as your father is perfect, then we can actually heal the land here and now. We can invite a little bit of heaven right here in Temple, Texas. Right here in Temple, Texas. We can have a little piece of heaven, and it doesn't have to just exist on Sundays. Do you know that? We can take heaven to social media. We can take heaven, well, Luby's is closed, Golden Corral. We can take heaven into our schools, and it'll be so powerful for the world to see. And I want you to know, to be sons in the kingdom your agape cannot be based on people groups or moral uprightness. We have to rain down this love on the just and the unjust. How this heals our land. I'll be done in just a second. How this heals our land. We remember the case of Botham Jean. Right? Do we remember that? The young man who sat in his apartment and he was, he was killed. There was so much outrage. Both of them being a member of the church that we're a church of, right? Even being a child of God, his family belonging to Christ. And as they sit in the courtroom, the one who killed his brother is standing there. His brother decides to go up and hug this woman. And so many people thought it to be strange. 
And I'll tell you this, in America, that is strange. But in the kingdom of heaven, that's exactly what Jesus is calling for. That young man didn't do anything wrong to that young lady, but he sought to repair the relationship. Do y'all see what it is that Jesus is asking us to do? It's not something that's easy to do, but when you do it, the world notices and they say that's abnormal. You're not supposed to be able to do that. But God, there is, the spirit is indwelling within us. And I know we don't like spirit talking to church of Christ, but the spirit is indwelling within us. And whenever I can't do right, God speaks. When I can't think right, God speaks. Now, don't y'all get your pitchforks and stuff and call me heretic after service, but I'm telling you. I'm not saying I'm hearing voices, but I do hear God. Based on what I've received in his word, based on what I've experienced throughout my past, God does speak in those moments where I want to do what Chris wants to do. And God says, but I say. We can heal this land one repaired relationship at a time. I want you to take this with you, and I want you to practice this too. That person that you thought about earlier, who is the Debo in your life, Go repair that relationship. Go repair that relationship. Understand, what is it, why is it that this exists between us? Even if they can't explain it, tell them, I want this relationship to exist because in the kingdom, we're connected. In the kingdom, we're unified. In the kingdom, we offer agape love to each other. No matter what's happened in our past. I want to try to understand you the individual, and love you and see you as God does. Because as messed up as we are, God sees us and he loves us more than we can love ourselves. If you're not a Christian this morning, I want you to know that you live beneath your privilege. There is a God. And he loves you so much. He loves you so much. I know that there are things that you've done in your life that you are not proud of. I know that there are things in your life that you are going to take to your grave. But guess what? God has seen them. And he still loves you. And he's ready to accept you, ready to forgive you. God knew where we would be right here, right now. Mentally, physically, he knew that before the foundations of the earth ever existed. And he said, I have a plan. I know that I'm going to give them freedom. I know that they're going to take advantage of their freedom. I'm going to send my son in the same form that they're in. He's going to come down to this earth, live as a human being, 100% man, 100% God. And he's going to die for their sins. Do you believe it? Do you believe that? Are you willing to say, I I don't want to live like I've been living. I'm ready to turn away from that life of sin. I know that I'm not going to be perfect, but I'm ready to turn away from it.
That's called repentance. Turn away from it today. Are you ready to confess, pledge allegiance to Jesus Christ and him alone? Confess him to be the son of God. Are you willing to be baptized for the remission of your sins? God knows that we are guilty, right? I like to talk about, I've had a lot of speeding tickets in my past. Just imagine if you were going 70 in the 30, and you get pulled over by a cop and they give you a ticket, and you go into the courtroom and the judge says, I know you're guilty, but since you want to change, since you're willing to obey, to do right, do your best, don't worry about it. That's what God offers us through baptism for the remission of our sins. If you're ready to accept this invitation, won't you come forward as we sing the song of invitation?